0: Gyro Nation Metal.
1: Welcome back everyone. This is Jeff with Gyro Nation Metal. Cryophilic is an Ontario-based death metal band who just released their sophomore album titled Damned and Decay on August 25th of this year. During this episode, I am joined by Ben Spector and Kurt Scythe, vocalist and guitarist for Cryophilic, respectively. Cryophilic was originally formed in 2016 and have released both albums through CDN Records. So first things first, Ben and Kurt, I want to thank you both for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah. Obviously, one of the reasons we're here is that Damned and Decayed will be coming out in just a few short days after the recording of this episode. That is on the 25th, so that's only yeah. eight days away. For you both, what did you want to focus on musically this time around, and how did you want the album to differ from your previous release?
2: Um, musically, I wanted to really focus on keeping it really technical and precise, but adding lots of like melody and hooks and stuff like that as well, and incorporating some like black metal vibes and stuff. Ben and I are both big black metal fans, so... That was my, that was my uh, vision for this album. what about you, Ben? Well, um,
0: same basic thing. Um, Whenever Kurt busts out into the black metal, I really enjoy it. Like it's really always, it's perfect. Um, He brings the crunchy stuff for the death metal, which I also love. You know, it's uh, basically, I love the band that I'm in. Like these guys are always impressive and I just always kind of give it my all just to make sure that, uh, that they know I care that, you know, about how good it is. I want it to be as brutal as possible all the
1: time. I was just chatting with Kurt just before the recording here, and the first time yeah. I was kind of exposed to you guys, Ben, was um, when you took over for The Vocalist in "Eaten by Sharks, because I don't know exactly oh, yeah. you know what happened, but you kind of came to the rescue, and that was pretty cool. Yeah, I
0: had like a week to learn the set. Um, we've played a bunch of shows with them and they're just super cool dudes like I like to just to hang out with them um they're fun to be around and their music is amazing like their their new album is fantastic um so yeah they asked if uh if I could do it um their vocalist Matt um who's phenomenal you know what I mean his vocals on that album again are just they're perfect um he was sick he had something like COVID I'm not sure I'd have you'd have to ask him but he couldn't play the show and uh they'd asked me if i could do it and i said you know i had to think about it i thought about it for a night I'm like yeah man like it's just a matter of putting the putting the reps in so let's do this and uh it was a great show um everything went pretty well um, almost as i was i wanted it to be perfect and it definitely wasn't perfect but uh it was a good show and it was just you know an honor and a privilege to play with those guys so yeah good night
1: I was just going to say, like Kurt mentioned a little bit before the show, we were talking about you filling in. And it's kind of cool that people can just fill in. And I mean, to learn an entire set in one week is pretty impressive, whether it be through vocals or instruments.
0: Yeah. I mean, I had um, all the lyrics in front of me Um, just just in case I got lost. You know what I mean? Because I wasn't willing because I was just filling in. It was a one time deal. I, you know, I didn't commit everything to memory, because again, I wasn't willing to fuck up. So, but it was good. I mean, I listened to their album a couple of times. And then I basically spent a week every free moment I had just going over it and over it. And uh, I liked it more and more every time I listened to it. So uh, by the end, I was just totally into it. And I gave it everything I had, and it
1: sounded pretty good. Mm -hmm. And Kurt was telling me that it was uh, pretty packed.
0: Yeah, uh, it was a sold out show. Teeth was a the headliner. Um, they're, you know, they're the big dogs in Hamilton and beyond. Um, so it was great to play with them too. Uh, yeah, it was a great show. Nice and sold out. And everybody there was just a huge fan of, of heavy metal. So it was just a, a real celebration.
1: So, yeah. That's really good to hear. You were credited with the bass on your debut album, Barbarity. However, this time around, you stuck with just the yep. guitars. Obviously, this is because of the addition of Shane, your yep. new bassist. Were you always planning on incorporating another member in the band? And if not, what was the reason for you to depart from your duties as a bassist? Well, student? when we, uh,
2: right before we recorded Barbarity, our, our original bass player, he kind of we parted, parted ways with him. And uh, since I knew all the material already, and, and I'm a bass player as well, I threw down the bass. And then we got another bass player, uh, Doug, who he never ended up on any of the recordings, I don't think. Um, actually, no, he played bass on the bonus, the two bonus tracks on Barbarity, but uh, we parted ways with him kind of like an hour before one of our shows. And uh, yeah, oh, it, was no. a, it was kind of a, a fuckery, but uh, our good friend Shane, I've known him for a long time. I used to play in a band with him previously, and uh, he stepped in, and he's a shredder, and he knows what to do, so... No worries there.
1: And I'm guessing you're having him join the band permanently at this point?
2: He's, he's a full-time member now, actually. Awesome. For the new material, the, the stuff that's coming out after Dan Dindicade, um, Shane and I wrote a big portion of it together. Oh, wicked. Yeah.
1: And you guys are already planning another album. That's crazy.
2: Well, it's because we took uh, we took some time between Barbarity and Dan Dindicade, just uh, you know, COVID and member changes and all that stuff. But moving moving forward, we definitely want to start putting out albums more consistently every year or two years or whatever.
1: I'm glad that you touched on that because one of my questions was about the delay. I don't want to call it a delay necessarily, but the time in between. For a lot of people, it seems like five years could t- could be yeah. a long time. But obviously, during that time, you like you said, we were dealing with the pandemic. You had new additions to the band. What were some of the other reasons behind the time in between releases and how did you overcome those challenges?
2: Well, a lot of it also had to do, we do everything ourselves. We like to be self-sufficient. So we built a studio a studio in our jam space. We tracked everything ourselves. Um, our drummer, Sean, he mixed and mastered everything. We all engineered everything ourselves. We like to keep it in-house rather than have a middleman, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. And this time around, you guys are releasing on CDN Records. And what was, what is that partnership like and how did you get hooked up with them?
2: Uh, so, basically, um, Barbarity had been out for maybe a year, and Craig Newman from CDN Records, he uh, he approached us and asked if, he, asked if we wanted to uh, release it. And so, we gave him two bonus tracks, and uh, we released it as a reissue. Okay. Would... And uh, basically... Uh...
1: No, keep going. I, I interrupted you.
2: Oh, so so basically, uh, it's like a 50-50 kind of deal. Like, they print up the CDs, they give us half, they take half... Uh, the music's still ours and everything like that. It's basically kind of like a distribution kind of thing.
1: That's pretty cool that Craig reached out to you. Um, With the re-release, would that explain the two separate Im- images that I found online for Barbarity?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. So when we re-released, uh, re-released it, we got some new album artwork and stuff like that done for it.
1: Is there any, like, other than finding an, uh, an artist to do the re-release, is there any story between the two contrasting images?
2: Um... I don't know, Ben, you, you had a, a theory about the the cryo man. Why don't you touch on that a little bit? Well, uh, the
0: first image on the first album, um, I'm pretty sure it was an Indonesian artist that our original lead guitar player, Dylan, found. I'm not sure how we knew of him, but um, that's how we got in touch with him. And I never much cared for it. Uh, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't what I had envisioned. You know what I mean? So when we saw the re-release of it, um, it was perfect. Just, you know, some sort of, you know, Canadian Yeti in his cave doing his thing with his glowing red eyes. Um, it was perfect. It was like, yes, oh my God. I, I couldn't have envisioned anything better than what I would have wanted for that album. So the first one, it was okay. Like it was it was cool, cool art. But the second time it came out, um, it was perfect. It was just, it grabbed you. As soon as you saw the red eyes, you're like, what is this? You know what I mean? And that's so important to have like really good art.
1: And it's pretty cool. Like if you look a little bit closer, he's sitting there gnawing on an arm too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, you, you know what you're going to get when you like put the CD in like, okay, this is going to be something super brutal and intense. And we delivered on that.
2: It also goes with like kind of the progression there. Like the first, uh, the, the, we're sorry, the reissue of barbarity, you know, the cryo man's in his little cave there. And then on damned and Decayed, he's uh fighting his way up to the castle it's like the progression of uh, this gigantic force, which is cryophilic, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Would you we have some ideas for mascot? the third album, Zard. Already... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to ask, do you consider Cryoman your mascot?
2: I guess he's pretty much. So, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That's probably going to be the theme for the next uh, next little bit, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of looks like Tim, our guitar player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Another thing that I had noticed, obviously, and this isn't diving deep into the artwork, but they both kind of have that blue-tinged, old-school black metal feel with that cold atmosphere. Is that something that you guys wanted to do intentionally?
2: What goes with the whole theme for cryophilic, right? It's basically uh, an organism that thrives at low temperatures against adversity and whatever. And, you know, cold colors, blues, stuff like that really gives off that imagery and that feel.
1: And with these two separate album covers, you worked with the same artist, but I wasn't able to find any information on who actually did it. Uh, who was the artist and what made you seek them out?
2: So the artist's name, his name is Mark Cooper. Um, he was referred to us by Craig from CDN Records. He's done a lot of uh, a lot of bigger bands artwork, like um, Rings of Saturn, to name one. Um, he's, he's, he's got some really killer art. He's a good artist.
1: I tried to read his signature right at the bottom, and I thought it said Mac, so when I typed it in, nothing came up.
2: So basically, uh, his art company is called Mind Rape Art, and so if you search that, it shows shows up, but uh, I think he changed it just to Mark Cooper Art, because uh, to keep it less controversial, you know? (laughs) No shit. Yeah.
1: With planning your next album here already, are you guys planning on working with Mark in the future?
2: Uh, We haven't even thought about the, the artwork steps for the next album. We're just in the writing process right now, but probably. We like his work.
1: That makes sense though, because you guys haven't even released your second album yet, so it seems to be, it seems like it would be a little bit of a rust to be already at that step. Yeah, yeah. As far as Cryo Man goes, does he have a name and a backstory?
0: <laughs> no, it's just it's straight up Cryo Man. <laughs> it never really got deeper than that,
2: not yet. Anyway,
0: yeah, not yet. <laughs> there might be a comic book somewhere down the line. Oh, I like music.
1: In doing some research for your albums, I wasn't able to find the lyrics to either album, so how do you pro- approach elements of storytelling or a narrative into your music? And if at all, how do you incorporate Cryo Man? I know you said you didn't really, but does he make an appearance at all? Uh, a little
0: bit, yes. Not uh, in any sort of direct sort of reference. Mm-hmm. Um, the album titled Damned Indicate is really just kind of, uh, I live and work in downtown Hamilton. And with all of the Encampments and can't in, like the whole fentanyl crisis and opioid thing going on—it's just nonstop. It's when I look out the window, that's what I see. It's damned in decay all the time, everywhere I look, um, and that's really most of the songs are about that. It's really a commentary on uh, life in downtown Hamilton, right here, right now. It's pretty messed up, and there's no hope in sight. At least if there is, I don't know what it could be. So, um, Cryoman is just kind of you know, he's I guess he's me, he's us, he's just us navigating through the cityscape that we're living in and the times we're in with you know, the plague and the pestilence of fentanyl and just everything that goes along with it. So, all the lyrics, you know, scum, damned and decayed. Um, even Majesty. Majesty actually isn't a really negative song. It actually has some, some some positivity to it, even though you'd never know to listen to it. But yeah, so it's, it's really just a commentary on uh, the here and now.
1: I didn't realize that the opioid crisis in Hamilton was that bad. Is it something that's all over the place, or is it isolated to certain areas, like you said, downtown? Uh, the thick
0: of it, well, I mean, I can't say the thick of it, but um, it's pretty much spread around pretty well. Um, places you wouldn't expect or are dealing with it. Downtown is, it's very evident. You know what I mean? You don't have to uh, look around very far to see what I'm talking about. Um. Yeah, yeah, it's just, uh, it's never been this bad. And I'm not the only one saying that. I know a bunch of like, say, former police officers that have like lived through Hamilton for years and like, no, we've never seen anything like this.
1: And it's a smaller city too. So you, like, I would personally think that that wouldn't be, as evident as it currently is but it seems Mm -hmm. like also in small towns there's really not as much to do so i think a lot of people are turning to drugs and things like that
0: well hamilton's like right um, it's it's on the pretty much the route off through the border like Mm -hmm. you once you get past Niagara falls you get to hamilton and then you can go basically east or west toronto ottawa or you head down to london so it's kind of like a way station everything comes through here
1: kind of like a hub yeah yeah. So I, I bet you access has a lot to do with it then. Big time. I wonder if there's any plan to have that rectified. I know that, I mean, Calgary's not doing the greatest, but neither is basically anywhere in North America. Yeah, no,
0: exactly. I mean, it's not just Hamilton. It's just kind of uh, where we're at as a society in North America, you know, and beyond.
1: Have you guys lived in Hamilton your entire lives?
2: I was born and raised in Hamilton, yeah. Uh, I'm from Sudbury, which is
0: basically just like Hamilton, but further in the middle of nowhere. It's a steel town. Um, there's nothing there, but if you like lakes and trees, it's not so bad. You know, which I do. I feel like so, that's all uh, of Ontario.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: There's there's not a lot going on.
1: Kurt, you spoke of your aspirations as a musician, sorry, as a musician in a pre- previous interview stating that it's to be a band that is precise, brutal and melodic to move and con- sorry, to move people and connect people with our music, to help get them out or get their frustrations and anger and to have a good time doing it. You also touched on the fact that some people give you odd reactions regarding your age and trying to become a rock star, um, whereas the reality is that you just love playing metal. So, Ben, what are your aspirations for Cryophilic?
0: Well, um I would just like to share the stage with some of the bands that I really admire. You know, anything beyond that, I mean, it's all gravy at this point. Even um, I love it. It's just really great to be to be doing the things that um, I wanted to do. You know, as a kid, as a younger man, and to finally be where I am and I'm capable of it um, is a real. You know, it's a real blessing. So I'm quite happy about it. So I mean, would I like to quit my day job and just hit the road? Sure that would be pretty great. You know what I mean? But realistically speaking, um, sharing, yeah, sharing the stage with some bands that I respect and admire, that's it for me. Like, I'm pretty, pretty okay with that. You
1: know? So, yeah. And during your time in Cryophilic, and this is a question for both of you, have your aspirations at all changed?
0: Well, um, for me, I'm just really trying not to think about it that much. You know what I mean? Having, like, expectations always leads to a lot of disappointment because you set something up in your head. And if it's not just like you thought of it, then you're going to be disappointed. So I'm just kind of not really trying to form a picture as to what this is going to be. And just really trying to savor each moment of it, each show, each band rehearsal. Um, I love the fact that I get to be a part of it. And so I'm just, you know, enjoying the ride. Sure. Okay.
2: Um, for me, it's a little bit different. I, as a musician as a guitar player too the reason i play death metal is because of the it's a challenge to myself and it's really um strenuous and i don't know like i said like my personal goal is to be i know it's unobtainable but as good musician as i can be as precise as i can be like i want i want Felix to be like a battle unit you know what i mean like i want us to crush and devastate
1: and you kind of touched on it in also a previous interview that it's kind of an outlet for your negative emotions and definitely therapy in a way.
2: Yep. Yeah. definitely. Everyday life, it, it gets to you. Everybody's got to have some sort of way to get it out, right? Some dudes play pickup hockey. Some dudes box. Some dudes play baseball. I death metal. That's what I do.
1: <laughs> or some people like Ben do other martial arts from what yeah. I can assume.
0: Yep. Um, I've been doing that uh, since I was a little kid. You know, it was one of those things I kind of started when I was young and I just kept up with it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that's a whole other story, <laughs> whole other thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was a year maybe where I stopped playing music uh, right before I joined Cryophilic. And for that year, I was furious all the time. I would just wake up angry. And really, the only thing missing was playing music, you know, getting to get it out, and just, uh, you know, very few people get to scream at the top of their lungs for as long as they can. You feel good afterwards. A little hungry, a little tired, but you <laughs> feel great. I recommend it to anybody.
1: Which styles of martial arts do you practice?
0: Um, well, back in the day, I mean, when I started, I was a little kid and I took like karate, um, and then I took judo. And then when I got to high school, I started boxing. And that was with top Glove, and they were like the Olympic, basically, there was the Olympic coach, uh, Gord Apolloni. This is back in the 90s. Um, he was great. You know, the guy's, he knows his shit, that's for sure. Uh, and then I found Wing Chun, and all the instructors I had were just really top notch. Like these were dudes who were street fighters that when you actually gave them moves to learn, they could apply them. You know what I mean? It wasn't bullshit. Uh, and so that was really inspiring. Um, I've learned some Northern Shaolin, uh, I've been to China a few times for martial arts, um, some San Shao, which is Chinese kickboxing. Um, and then I ended up, well, I was already teaching, but I met another Sifu who uh, was much better than me. Like You can have all the ego in the world, but you know I couldn't beat him, so I joined him. And I'm glad I did, because I learned a whole bunch. His name was Paul Styles, aka Rinzai. And he showed me uh, some really old-school traditional martial arts like uh, Xing Yi and a bit of Baguazhang or Bagua Um And some, he was uh, a Nam vet And so he showed me some stuff from there, which, you know, it, it changes the game a whole lot. Um, but the takeaway was the meditation. He was very much, um, you know, trying to share that most of all. And before that, I couldn't sit still for a minute, um, and so he kind of showed me how to do that, and uh, which is really, you know, something I still do. And uh, actually, and uh, my girlfriend got me um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu lessons, and so her and I have been learning it together, which has been pretty great because um, she doesn't know me as a martial artist; she only knows me as a band guy. And so when she got me these lessons it was kind of cute i'm like okay you don't really know how long i've been doing this um but great and i love it i mean jujitsu is fantastic anyone who says otherwise doesn't know what they're talking about so uh that's a whole mix of things that i've been doing for a long time that being said it it doesn't make you tough you just realize how breakable everybody is myself included
1: so that's a really realistic way of looking at it quite humble
0: Yeah, well, I've been humbled a couple of times, man, (laughs) you know what I mean, by people who uh, were better than me, so I might, again, once you kind of do this for long enough, you stop trying to compete with everybody else, just try to be better than the person you were the day before, or the martial artist you were, or the musician, you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. draw inspiration from people, but don't compare yourself to them, because you're just kind of setting up this negative ego trip that just doesn't get you anywhere, so against yourself and draw inspiration from others and that's really the best advice I can give anybody.
1: Is it safe to say that meditation and, and obviously the discipline that comes with martial arts um, are two of the most important lessons that you've adapted into your regular life? Very much so. Um, it
0: just helps to kind of gain perspective on things because everybody gets a little angry, a little upset, a little egotistical about things and if you can just take a step back um, a, you won't overreact to things that have serious consequence um, and it just you know reminds you to just be a better person be mindful of what you're doing and uh, yeah yeah the meditation is a huge part of it so I'm, uh, I'm really grateful for that because like I said before I couldn't sit still for a second I, uh, and my mind was the
1: same way so how did how did you get the meditation to click like i have the same kind of issue when i when i do try and meditate it just seems like i am distracted
0: yeah um you got to have really being mindful of your posture i sit in a particular posture called zazen um so being mindful of that being mindful of your breathing um, and then really having a point of focus that's a few feet in front of you and then you just kind of let your eyes blur and you'd be mindful of your posture and if you're just kind of mindful of your posture, like making adjustments to make sure everything is where it needs to be, um, it'll pretty much take care of itself. But there's also a standing meditation um, called Santi shir from Yi Kung Fu. Um, it's you stand with your kind of arms out, and it's really, really taxing because your back leg is supporting all your weight. And so, this kung fu master and I back in the day would spend I don't know it felt like hours just in this posture changing from leg to leg and it would get to the point where you know i'm gonna collapse you know i haven't blinked there's tears in my eyes and you just keep holding it and when you kind of get to that point where you're just kind of willing yourself to continue when your body is about to fail once you experience that you know you know you can get there and so you can kind of not worry about it if that makes any
1: sense Mm yeah yeah jumping to almost a completely different topic but I think it kind of relates in a way, in in a few ways like whether it be creativity, discipline, whatever. Um, Kurt, I noticed on your previous interview you spoke about marijuana being something that you are a proponent of and I've seen a couple posts on your social media. Do you guys have any rules surrounding consumption of those types of substances during tours, shows, or practices?
2: Well, uh, we're all grown men who live, uh, you know, Growing up, lives and stuff. So you know, we uh, we all have our own vices. Personally, I like to smoke weed. I like to smoke weed a lot. It's for me, it's therapeutic. It's probably a bad thing, but whatever. It helps me focus and it keeps me sane, just like uh, playing music or whatever. Um, anyone can do what they want as long as they can still do what they do well while they do it. If that makes any sense.
1: Totally. <laughs> When you do indulge, do you notice that it helps your creativity or a way of thinking when you are making music?
2: Um, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes, you know, you get it in your... depends on how much. Well, no, it just uh, depends on your mood and your day, just like anything, right? Like sometimes your mind wanders away and depends on where your mind wanders to. Sometimes it's a good place, sometimes it's a bad place. But that could be, you know, whether you're under the influence of
1: anything or not. It's basically, like you said, it, it does have to do with the mindset. It it could either benefit you or hinder you.
2: It can get you in the zone or it can take you out of the zone. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. This is kind of a side tangent, but I visited Thailand in 2019 and there were some bars which actually sold joints. And the one that I was thinking of was really nice as it was an outdoor rooftop bar and about 7 PM, they would remove all of the chairs and tables from the main seating area. They would put out lounge type chairs for their customers and watch movies on two separate big pop-up screens. And it was super cool because you get to overlook the bay as the sun set. Do you ever think Canada would adopt something like that, like bars, except for the consumption of cannabis and why or why not?
2: I'm actually surprised they haven't yet. There's a whole market for that sort of thing out there because like they have bars where you can go to drink alcohol. They have, you know, those hookah bars where you can go to smoke. Why aren't there any venues or restaurants that are cannabis friendly? Like, I guess the whole smoking thing, it probably puts a damper on it with like bylaws and stuff like that, but there's cannabis drinks and like food and stuff like that, so that's a market somebody should tap into right now
1: now i could be wrong about this but don't they have cigar bars where you can smoke inside probably I don't, sure. I don't i don't know i can't remember off the top of my head but either way whatever i think it would be beneficial for uh the canadian well canadians in general to adopt something similar simply because of things like that like you already touched on the alcohol and that's far more damaging and it lasts yeah. so much longer since there aren't any interviews which touch on well, aren't many interviews that touch on your musical histories? How did you both get into metal and your respective instruments?
2: Well, I guess for me, um, getting into metal, I've got an older sister, and uh, she always had cassette tapes lying around, and I'd steal them off her. And uh, you know, Guns N' Roses took me to Metallica. Metallica took me to Slayer. Pantera. That took me to Cannibal Corpse, and then it just snowballed from there for me. Then I had to get a guitar. That's just the way it goes. Mine was pretty much
0: the same. Kurt and I from the same era. So it started with grunge and then it moved into Slayer and Pantera and then into death metal, then into black metal. And it's just been going strong ever since. Um, I played guitar when I was younger, uh, like a little kid, but I just sucked. And I didn't have the discipline for it at the time, at least not that. Um, and I've been dabbling with it ever since. But um, I always knew because everyone I knew who was a musician, even when I was a teenager, was already the really good just miles ahead of anything i could keep up with so i figured well i'm gonna have to be a vocalist because nobody seems to want to step up to the plate for that and uh, again martial arts helped like the whole being able to really you know they call it key eyes or key ups scream like that um was a good basis for
1: oh, that yeah. yeah interesting what drew you guys to heavier music in the first place
2: puberty <laughs> <laughs>
1: Aggression. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, a hyper and a bit
0: of an aggressive kid, and it just um, it just clicks. You hear it, you like it. And I always used to think, like, I would hear these vocalists that I admired. I just like I would wonder, how do they do that? How can anyone do that? Because you know, as a kid, you try and you can't scream for more than fifteen seconds without blowing your voice out. So you think it's impossible. Um, but it was just something I really admired and thought was was totally beyond my grasp but I was going to pursue it
1: regardless. Kurt, you already touched on wanting to get better as an instrumental or as a guitarist, sorry. For both of you, I'm assuming that's pretty much the same as you continuously want to do better and better. Obviously, Ben, you were talking about doing better than the day before. Yeah. What are some of the things you do to increase your skill level?
2: So as a guitar player, most of the stuff that I write, I can't really play just yet. So it's kind of raising the bar every time and challenging myself to get there. And plus, playing with the the musicians that I play with in this band, like they're all top notch. We push each other, and it's just uh, great players.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Um, again, these guys inspire me. I get home after band sometimes just play guitar because it, I want to keep up. But I, I'm not at that level yet. So, um, but for vocals, um, I'm always basically just responding to what they're throwing at me, and it always just is super heavy and i don't have to think about it much i just kind of go off it's like a really mini vacation where you're just losing your mind completely and you come back and you're like oh that was great um but for me um every practice we have every show we play i pretty much try and give it 100 every time so i'm always you know getting to failure so i have to heal up for a little you know a couple of days and then come back and do it again so my voice is getting I think, progressively stronger. I haven't uh, had any really damaging issues with it yet. But, um, yeah, just really trying. I basically scream until it hurts. I know you're not supposed to push. But as long as I have a few days to recover, well, fuck that. Like, I'm going (laughs) to give it everything I have. Everything. Because that's what I want to see. You know, that's what I want to hear. You can tell the difference when somebody's doing well or giving it everything. And I want to be that guy.
1: I agree. Even from like an audience member or listener's perspective, there's, there's definitely some emotion that comes through. And I mean, there's obviously different skill levels too. So it could be different for a lot of people, but it seems like there, there are just some bands that have that energy and that, that emotion that just come right through the music that you can pick up on instantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. We'll go to something simple now that you guys have been a part of the metal scene for quite some time. Who are some of the bands in your current heavy rotation?
2: Something I'm listening, listening to a lot lately. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, obviously, Eaten by Sharks. We're, we're big fans of them. Uh, there's there's a band out of Brantford. I don't know if they're still a band. I don't think they are anymore, but they're called Ending Tyranny. They're top-notch, like, death metal. You should really check them out if you haven't heard them. For me, that's about it.
1: Yes, I do remember... Okay, Ending Tyranny, their two... 2015 album, Evolution of Deceit. Yeah. I do remember that one.
2: That's an amazing album. It's like still in top rotation for me.
1: That's awesome, seven years later eight years later? Yeah, now?
2: I wish they would release something else because they're such fucking top-notch.
1: It says that they're still active, but it it doesn't seem like they've done anything since the Evolution of Deceit.
2: So I know I know Callum, the singer, quite well. Actually, he's doing sound for us. Uh, we're playing a festival out mm-hmm. in Brantford uh, this Saturday coming up, and he's actually going to be doing sound for us. He's got a new project, uh, but uh, I don't know if I should be talking about that much. It's not really for me to say, you know?
1: I respect that. Basically, my last question for you today, guys, is are there any bands in your area that you feel deserve some extra love?
2: Um, all of the bands in our area deserve some love. who um, We played with lately that I really liked. Um, Death Club was cool. You know, they were
0: a really cool band. I enjoyed their set. Um, again, you just got to keep throwing it back to Eden by Sharks because those guys are great. Um, Teeth was good. Who else? Oh, uh, Corrosive. Man, those guys are awesome. Yeah, good thrash. They rip so hard. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't even know I liked thrash that much until I saw them. I was like, oh, right. I forgot all about this. Yeah. Because I've been so preoccupied with, you know, death and blackmail.
1: Yeah. They definitely pushed everything to the limit on their last album.
0: Yeah. 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 It's really good.
1: I, I still don't think they've come through Calgary since... Since I've been familiar with their music, so next time they do, I'll have to check them out. Do you guys have any plans to come to the west side of the country?
2: It's always a possibility. Like uh, We've never really toured before with this band, and uh, it's something we've talked about, something we definitely would like to look into. Um, We just need to make some contacts and make some plans and stuff like that, but really nothing's out of our grasp.
1: Well, if you guys do make it this way, I'll do my best to come and see you guys. Excellent. Gentlemen, I want to thank you again for joining me today. Damned Indicate is coming out on August 25th through CDN Records. And for you guys, where's the best place for listeners to find it?
2: Uh, everywhere Spotify, um, all online streaming platforms, uh, CDN Records website, YouTube, everywhere.
1: And if listeners wanted to support you directly, I'm guessing that the best place is Bandcamp.
2: Bandcamp, for sure.
1: Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you again, gentlemen. I appreciate your guys' time. Thank you for having us. It was a pleasure, man. Thank you for tuning in. And we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.